The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. This is Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardell. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. Another weekend, my good friends. I hope it's going well so far. show about money has just begun. I am Wolfgang Klein, Portfolio Manager. Each and every Saturday, I have the privilege of spending an hour with you to talk shop, money shop. That's what it's all about. My partner right by my side, Mr. Jack Hartle. Good evening, Jack. Another weekend. Good evening. My good friend. Yeah. Good evening, Wolf. It's been an interesting week, no doubt. No doubt. Lots to talk about. You know, I should should maybe write a little book. What have I learned today? Uh, let's start with that, Jack. I'm going to throw the question to you, just, you know, uh, open-ended question. Uh, what did you learn this week? And I'll share with the class what I learned this week. I will say that uh, the financial markets, Wolf, are, are always changing. But the, the problem is that uh, investors tend to have a recency bias. So they think whatever is happening today will persist into the future forever, uh, and they discount accordingly, which uh, causes them to make, I'm going to say, um, uh, mental errors when it comes to uh, and, and biases when it comes to you know making asset al- allocation decisions. Well, I'll tell you what I learned this week, my good friend. Uh, I learned basically the same thing you learned in a slightly different fashion, uh, but basically how investors uh, we we know this do the wrong thing at the wrong time, and how they feel is is inversely related to how the investment world could very well perform in the coming six to twelve months. So I was out for dinner uh, with uh, Morgan Stanley's portfolio manager, Andrew Slimman, and he, he spoke about the bond market and so many markets are like this. He said in the bond market, you'll see an obvious trade, do the unobvious trade, do the opposite of the obvious trade. For example, right now, two-year bond yields are about four and a half percent. Ten-year bond yields are about call it, what is it, uh, three and a quarter percent. Uh, he says you want to actually probably buy the long bond with the lower short term, with the lower yield this year, because he thinks the two-year yield that's currently over four is going to come down and be below the 10-year. His point is the inv- the bond curve is inverted right now, which means we are in or going into a recession. And as that unfolds, the short-term rate will come down. So do the opposite of what you see in the bond market. That is what I learned this week. Jamie Carrasco, he too is a portfolio manager with Canaccord. I have a lot of time uh, and find uh, very dynamic, interesting conversations with Jamie uh, as well. He's an alternative thinker, I shall say. Um, Jamie, welcome back on Hi-Fi Radio, my good friend. Uh, Gold bug, crypto king or not. And a man who pays attention to uh, the monetary authorities and the global money supply. Um, Interesting week. Uh, Please, I want you to talk to us as to what you learned this week in the financial markets. And tell us, uh, are areas of the market being challenged? And is anything broken yet? Because Jack continues to wait for things to be broken. Well, thank you for having me back, guys. And I have to tell you that I think some things are definitely a little bit different this time in that what's happening with the interest rate scenario, which is really having come from the fixed income repo trading side, is the one area that I've been looking at all along. 
And I think things are a little bit stressful in that area. And it's because the rising U.S. dollar is creating a lot of havoc, but we're starting to see it on interest rates. So let's go back to what you said just at the beginning from your J.P. Morgan portfolio manager. What he was talking about, Morgan Stanley, Morgan Morgan Stanley, what he he was talking about was in normal, like if you go back, back to about the 30s, all recessions have played out the same way that you get an inversion of the yield curve. But that's because yields are coming down, not going up. In essence, money's coming into the bond market as a safe haven. What's happening today is completely different because we have an inversion of the yield curve, but not because yields are going down, but because yields are heading up. So money's coming out of the bond market. And that's a very important shift in what's happening because it's a net result of what's happening in the dollar and what it's doing to the credit to the futures market out there. So it's a bigger picture so that people should be paying attention because it's kind of the same issue that happened in 08 with the derivatives, but this time's way bigger because it's blowing up all the swaps that pension funds had. So the question is, look at what happened in Britain two weeks ago when the pension funds had a margin call. Why are pension funds getting a margin call? Now it's happening in Holland is because they've been increasing their yields through these swap agreements, which are agreements that required the spread between two currencies to stay at X, but that spread has gone crazy because of the volatility in the currencies. So it's blowing up the contracts. And that's why Credit Credit Suisse is in trouble. So again, this is exactly what I was warning about in terms of the difference this time is going to come from the bond side from the fixed income problems within the derivative sector because of the volatility that was going to be unleashed. And there, Jamie, I want to, I want to pipe in here because uh, I, I asked Andrew, Andrew Slimman, uh, again, managing director of Morgan Stanley last night at dinner uh, about the bond market and what's been going on and what he thinks will happen. And Bespoke just gave us a very interesting piece this morning on um, the bond market and, and, and the historic returns for bonds. And for the most part, bonds tend to make you money uh, in a relative consistent fashion, and bonds rarely lose money uh, in any one year, but it does happen. And uh, rarely do bonds lose money two years in a row, and never have bonds lost money three years in a row. And currently, we're in a situation where bonds are down significantly this year, and they were also down last year. Again, they've never been down three years in a row. Jack and I did some bond buying this week for our conservative balance mandates to get them back on the asset mix because we've been underweight bonds in a low rate environment. We recently decided to do some bond buying because they're down so much. And Andrew's point about the bond market has been who in their right mind was buying two-year bonds at a third of a percent interest, 30 basis points of interest. And well, you're telling us right now who's been doing it, and they've been doing it in a multiplied fashion to generate the return required. And it was that multiplier effect, i.e. leverage, that caused them to get themselves into some hot water when things went outside of their parameters. Uh, And and that caused caused the upset, correct? Correct. Let me just jump in here, Wolf, just because the pensions and, and Jamie, yeah, you really present an interesting point. Pensions are getting margin calls, correct, Jamie? Yes, correct. So when you have a forced seller, Jamie, don't you want to be on the other side of that trade? They're distressed. We're looking to pick up value for our clients. <laughs> That's like asking me to buy buy the first class uh, suite in the Titanic. <laughs> They're shuffling. No, 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 but Jamie, Jamie, no, I'm going to stop you. Jamie, bonds down two years in a row. 
So it's not the first seat in the first class in the Titanic. I don't okay. really agree. Let me, let me let me let me stop you just for one second and let's talk about the ten year bond, which in the US, which is right now at four thirteen. The problem is is this little thing called inflation, which is already at eight percent and getting worse into the winter. So what people with the bond market saying, wait a minute, I'm getting four percent for the next ten years, but I don't know where inflation's gonna be. Mm-hmm. Already at eight percent. So that's the big difference is that inflation has all of a sudden started to run away and we don't know where it's going to go. Now, here's another problem as well, another dilemma that the rise in the U.S. dollar is it's important to understand because what's happening is all markets are selling off everything. That's why the dollar's rising. But the rise in the U.S. dollar, because it is the currency reserve, is also hiding the true level of inflation. So we have it and have inflation, but the dollar has risen, which means that inflation is a little bit worse than that. And we won't see the inflation until the dollar finally pulls back. And we don't know when that's going to occur, but everybody knows that at some point it will. It's just the best currency of all the currencies out there. All the other currencies are, are kind of blowing up. So the true level of inflation, I would say that the dollar is very much like a tsunami. First, the water retrenches, and that's what, to me, the rise of the dollar is. The beach is getting great. But once the tsunami comes back at us, we will know what the true level of inflation is. And in that environment, the bond market is saying, I don't know where to put the money. And that's why they're coming into cash and waiting to see where will inflation settle. The problem being is that inflation never goes down coming into winter. And it's not going to be a good winter. We have massive geopolitical risk. And now we have the risk of derivatives growing up. So where do we go from here is the key question. Well, again, Jack and I, we just went through some bespoke work this morning uh, showing all many of the key subcomponents of what makes up inflation from housing to new cars, used cars, rent, food. And on a month over month basis, we are seeing some areas of improvement, used cars improving, gasoline on a month over month basis. Uh, So there is some area of hope. And I'm going to say, I'm going to throw out there, the, the U.S. dollar has been supreme in 2022. If I were a betting man, which I operate in the world of probabilities, I am not going to say the U.S. dollar is going to be that strong next year. If I were being a betting man, I, I'd bet against and say I'd be selling some U.S. dollars today. And if you don't have, if you want to repatriate, maybe buy back some loonies. Uh, I think the Canadian dollar is the one that's undervalued. Uh, but again, to speak to that, would you short the U.S. dollar here, Jamie? Uh, no, I would buy gold with my, or some gold. Again, oh, okay. go of gold. course you would. Of course, they can buy gold. With my U.S. dollars. So, Jamie, yeah, we well, fair, about fair enough. Fair enough. We talk about this inflationary storm, Jamie. Uh, winter's coming, getting dark in Europe. Uh, energy is expensive. We all know that. But uh, so, asset bubbles bursting. You talk about uh, derivatives blowing up. Um, you know, meme stocks, high tech, uh, lots of uh, asset classes are down. I'm going to say 60 to 70 percent from their peak. Um, does that spell for an inflationary environment or deflationary environment? Because from the history that I've seen, you know, when you have an asset class or especially it's a large asset class that blow up, it's a more deflationary than inflationary. And you can just look back to the Great Depression. You can look back to the financial crisis. You can look at what's happened uh, in Japan since the 90s. When you have significant asset classes blow up, it's deflationary, not inflationary. Mm-hmm. Point. I agree. I think what we're facing is a stagflationary environment where you're going to have inflation in the things that, that are important, mm-hmm. but, but, but um, deflation in the things that 
were driven by paper assets, things that require massive financing because we are not going to have the capacity to finance. So in essence, it's the same setup as Latin America in the 80s and 90s. And there, there's some simple rules to be had as to how people prepared for what hit them through that period, right? Well, Jamie, look, Jamie, let's take a quick break. Um, our, our friends at home can get out their paper and pencils because you're going to share with them how you can prepare uh, for what you believe is a continued uh, environment of high inflation. I'm in the camp. Inflation is going to recede. I'm in the camp. U.S. dollar is going to recede. I'm in the camp uh, that there's some good value to be had in many asset classes right here, right now. And you want to start putting together a buy list. That makes a market. Quick break. Hi-Fi Radio 640 in Toronto. Wolfgang Klein here with you. Jack Hartle here with you. Jamie Carrasco here with us for the duration. Stay tuned. Let's take a break. Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. about money, Jamie Carrasco, my Latin American friend. That is for you, little Carlos Santana, not necessarily from Latin America, but, you know, heading in the right direction from the cold country of Canada. Indeed, Carlos Santana loves Santana. So cool, so romantic, so sexy. I think he's quite sexy in terms of his music. Indeed, I will say, you know, from a bullish market point of view, October is the time you want to do some buying. Third year of a presidential cycle. Midterms are coming up in the United States in November. Sleepy Joe wants to make sure that the working man is getting his fair shake. Wage inflation is going to be here for a period of time. And Sleepy Joe is going to try real hard. Mr. President Joe Biden, lots of due respect, of course. Uh, He's going to do his best to help redistribute some of the wealth into the hands of the voting public. Uh, Much of that, uh, and again, this is coming from Andrew Sliman, the managing director of Morgan Stanley. He said the central banks. Uh, some of the, uh, the chair members of the central bank, not just the head of the, of the central bank, there's a bunch of chair members who all vote and, 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 and share their two cents and opinions on the, their local economies. Um, but many of them are liberals and will side with President Joe Biden and will allow wage inflation to continue. Uh, they're not going to fight that part of it, although I don't know if you can certainly pick your places. Uh, but he, he believes that they will give reason to pause on their rate hike campaign and as soon as you see or hear more of them pausing market has a good leg to the upside i also say the third year of a presidential term which is next year 100 percent of the time the market has gone higher during the year perhaps 2023 is the year it doesn't do that but if again if i was a betting man and if the previous 100 percent of times the market was up that year i don't know you want to play contrarian on with those odds probably not but Jamie Carrasco, what do you think? Would you play? Would you be contrarian? Would you short the market next year? Uh, head for the hills and continue to buy more gold, which, by the way, is going the wrong way. Uh, no, I, I don't think so. Actually, I'd, I've never bet against the market because you know, 
don't forget that the best performing market in 2019 was Venezuela as money was running out. Jackie, is, don't forget that, Jack. Venezuela 2019. Oh, my God. Because people needed to park the money somewhere, so they parked it in the market. What's the size of the Venezuelan economy? Canada is, is a non-issue. It's, only, it's 2% of the global economy. Venezuela must be less than 1% of the global economy. Oh, it is, but it's not because of that. It's because people, what, what, they needed to do something with their money, so they'd rather park it in good quality companies, right? Yep. Again, it, it, hold, You mean in holding cash? Then holding cash, correct, right? I know. So again, good companies are store of value. Uh, totally, it's totally. It's hard to appreciate I, with the volatility that the markets can, uh, can, can put forth. But without question, you own good business. I've said this a few, a few times, I'll repeat it. Our friends who are fleeing their homes in Ukraine, if they are shareholders of any publicly traded company, you know, again, outside of the Ukraine, they are still shareholders of that, of that company, and therefore their worth has not been wiped out. Their real estate in the Ukraine is worth zero. Their factories are worth zero. Their currency, uh, I'm not, I don't, was the Ukraine on the euro? No, they weren't. They weren't members of the euro, were they? Probably not. And therefore they had their own currency. That, that, that too must be under significant pressure, I would assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah go ahead. By the Venezuela performance. Was it 2018 or 2019? You said um, whenever the the crisis hits. Okay, okay. E- e- either way, you're talking nominal returns, not real returns. No, correct, is correct. correct? That, is that, so, so when you correct. take it in, in real returns, they were terrible. Right, but if the dollar crashes, the market goes up in real returns. Where we're betting against, you know, it's the same thing. The point being is that I would not bet against the market because you have good quality companies. Uh, you know, and uh, whenever I talk about gold, it's not as though I'm just buying gold, even though it sounds like that sometimes. But it has yeah, to be a component of the portfolio just to hedge for the devaluation of money itself, right? Right. As the U.S. dollar appreciates, uh, we're, we're talking about depreciating currencies. Canadian dollars held in actually quite well, but the euro, was it, did, did it get below par? Uh, I think it may have. But it, it has been. Crushed. It, it has Down been. Crushed. So without question, a whole lot of, Weird stuff. I was going to play Funky Town. A whole lot of funky stuff has been happening in 2022 in the global currency market. And again, I suspect 2023 will have a very different theme to it. And the markets are forward looking. So, Jack, and don't forget what's happening to the yen, which is now 150 to the dollar, uh, which again is very cheap. Correct? It's very cheap, but very, very worrisome. Cheap. Yeah, because the yen used to be about 112, 120. Correct. So it's another yeah, another yeah. fiat that is falling. And yeah, I think so that's what's important to understand. 150 yen, 150 yen to get a U.S. dollar because of the derivatives that are based in yen versus U.S. cross trade, those swaps. Again, back to the derivatives, which are blowing up because of the spreads in the currencies themselves. <laughs> the derivatives, derivatives. Uh, friends at home don't even know what derivatives are. Friends at home don't own derivatives. Friends at home own stocks and bonds and GICs and real estate. Um, that's really what this is all about. Uh, so why do these derivatives matter, Jamie and Jack? Or do Go they back matter? to AIG yeah, in 2008. What do you think happened with AIG and Lehman Brothers in 2008? It's all of these promises between banks that have been created. And we're talking about $2.5 trillion worth of, of cross-currency pr- promises that are in trouble because the currencies are falling apart. That's why it should worry people, because it is interconnected to the system, even though we never talk about it or see it. Well, I, I would just add to that. So, um, so these derivatives 
are under stress. There is potential for them to blow up. So what, what would central banks do in that situation? You talk about 2008 AIG. They're going to kick they're the can down the road, just like, just like they have done in the past, right? So we've seen the movie before. Um, if the whales float to the surface, central banks will step in. And, and I'm not going to say save the system, but they're going to go print money. Um, it supports Jamie's case in terms of devaluation of currencies. Um, we left the, the last segment talking about the playbook for Latin America. So maybe, Jamie, you could speak to, you know, the situation that we're in right now, the current environment and the playbook that you saw back from the 80s. Well, first of all, the, the, the primary thing as, as individual household is make sure that you acquire those things that you're going to need to, you know, have good storage of food and 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 things because you're going to see shortages at some point on the supply chain. So make sure, you know, your rice, your your, your essentials. That's the, the oh, first line of defense. Come on. Hold come on. Hold on. Geez. I'm Whoa. just telling you what, what they did I, in Latin America. I just told you. I just told oh, you Latin. what happened in Latin America. We're going back to the playbook. Right okay. now, okay. from a financial perspective, from a financial perspective, you don't want to hold cash because the cash is devaluing. So you want to hard, hold hard assets, right? Be it real estate, be it, you know, definitely stocks and investments. And then you want to get rid of your fiat. And that's where the gold comes in, where you want to have part of that of, of that money um, as uh, a way of, of, of putting away your savings. Right. But it's the it's the the um, the ability to be able to benefit from the things that will not devalue, because people have to understand that inflation is not that things are going up in price. It's that the money you're paying with is devaluing. So that's why you want to be able. That's the other reason why you want to have some 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 food storages, because, you know, it's just going to get cost more expensive over over time. Right. Because the money is devaluing. And, and that is the main lesson to be learned from what happens in an inflationary storm. Also, fixed income, the fixed income market, how high will yield go? I don't think we know yet. I would want to wait and see where the where the 10 year bond settles at least. Right. And actually, this morning I was looking at the yield curve, which is really important because right now we have the 20 year bond, I think, at 450 and the five year bond at about 430. So the, with the 10 year at 410, that tells me that the Fed has been buying that bond to keep its yield from rising because that affects mortgages. But it also means that highly likely it's going to go higher anyways because the other two are higher, right? And that means that mortgage rates are going to get more expensive. What does the individual person has to do? Get out of the variables. Make sure you lock in. You know, it, I read this morning again that people are waiting, going into variables because they think yields are going to come down. What if they don't for a while, right? And that's the problem that right now we're, there's a lot of uncertainty, but I think we have to be smart on how we move. On the company side, pipelines, utilities, REITs, those things that the economy needs that we're just not producing, well, they're going to become great monopolies and they continue to generate cash flow. But they might come off if we have a market correction because pension funds, that's the liquid part within mutual funds. So we got to wait. But I would definitely keep my durations in any bond portfolio at, at a minimum 180 days and just keep rolling a bond ladder, which I think it's an important thing for people to do. Well, I'll tell you, if you're retired today, uh, you can certainly generate greater yield than you could in the last five or 10 years. You can generate a four, five, six percent interest uh, coupon uh, to allow you to better uh, deal with your day to day expenses. But again, the market is forward looking. The market is very much aware that there is food inflation. The market is very much aware that there has been supply chain disruptions. The market is very much aware that there will be less grain and food coming to the global markets 
thanks to Russia uh, uh, criminally invading the Ukraine. Um, so the market is aware. Of, and I just look at the Loblaw stock as one example. Loblaw stock was 125 in July. It has since retreated down to about 109. So it too, I think, is looking forward and saying there's only so much food and food inflation we can pass on to the consumer. Interesting, let's rotate out of this. So the market is looking forward. I want to talk 2023, for example. Uh, and, and I want to share with you some wisdom that Andrew Slimman uh, from Morgan Stanley presented to me. And I've been reading about this concept for the last few months, and Jack is very well aware of it. Um, and that is all about rate of change. And if you can get the, the, the directional change correct and position yourself accordingly to that, you can make a lot of money. Case in point, he said, if all things have to do is go from very bad to bad and prices can rise. They can go from very bad because the rate of change is in the right direction. If things go from good to better, prices can rise. But when things are great, they can unfortunately only go in one direction in terms of rate of change, and that is being less great. And that's when you get these implosions. So, again, I'm, I'm looking now at Loblaws. You know, food inflation, passing on prices, it was almost as good as it could get. You know, late summer, everyone was complaining about, about inflationary prices. They continue to do that today. But it was, it was about the perfect storm for these, for these grossoterias to pass on price and generate outsized returns. So much so the government was going to regulate them for getting these windfalls, I believe. And that was the point where all of a sudden the, the, the market turns in the other direction. So being able to pick up on that and catch it is part of the art in this business. So let's talk about rate of change and how we can maybe invest around it, gentlemen. Jamie, I'm going to throw it to you. Rate of change, where will it improve in 2023 where we can create investment theses? And where will it get worse that we could perhaps protect ourselves and, and exit now prior to it getting worse? I would answer that from a positioning perspective. I would definitely want to say, I myself, I'm, I'm holding 30% in cash because we don't know where the rate of change is going to go going forward. So we've got to be have that flexibility to be able to to invest a little bit later. I also have my allocations in gold, expecting greater inflation and gold to finally spark and start inflating along with all the other commodities. On the investment side, you know, pipelines, utilities, good quality dividend companies where I know I'm going to get the cash flow, but concentrate my sectors in those inflation areas that are going to be hard to replace. Again, you know, a utility, a pipeline, it's, it's so hard to build those things that in, in, a, in an inflationary environment, they're beautiful industries to own, right? But cash, having some cash stashed away. And then for, for my bond portion, for the balance portion, definitely set up a bond ladder, but no longer than 18 months and benefit from rising yields because you're rolling over until yields stop rising and then you extend your durations. That's what I'm doing. That's interesting. Uh, the, the bond side is counter to what Andrew was suggesting, where he said, avoid the short end of the curve because that looks most attractive. Go longer out. It doesn't look as attractive. You'll be quite pleasantly pleased if inflation does roll over, which he does think it will. Jack, rate of change. Where is it going to improve, in your opinion, next year? Again, it could improve from being really bad to just bad or, 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 or terrible to less terrible. Or flip it around, where will rate of change flip to the downside. Sure. I, I agree with Morgan Stanley. I think that uh, the interest rates that everyone is feeling the weight of right now are having an effect on the economy. They are slowing it down. Uh, central banks, the Fed, the Bank of Canada, uh, I'm going to say are achieving their goals of slowing down the economy, reducing demand, reducing those bottlenecks uh, in the supply chains. 
And in that type of an environment, uh, you want to go long duration with bonds. And you, you're looking for, I'm going, to agree, I'm going to agree with Jamie in terms of, you know, everyday items like utilities are good assets. But uh, I think interest rates will start falling, bonds will start rising, and inflation uh, rate of change um, has at least peaked and is going in the right direction now. Uh, so, of course, airs each and every Saturday on the Chorus Network, 640 in Toronto. Pleasure to be spending the evening with you. Jack Hartle by my side, and we got our guest, Jamie Carrasco, here to talk about the end of the world. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. There's more Hi-Fi Radio in a moment on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. I feel fine. Oh, little big, big, big sleep for you. Get up. End of the world for Jamie Carrasco. Yep. I, I'm always wondering when I'll see Jamie in the office if he's out hoarding cans and bags of rice and uh, extending the walls in his bunker uh, as uh, only gold uh, will be used as a form of monetary transaction. Of course, I'm Jamie yeah, joking around. But Jamie Grasco, uh, portfolio manager here at Canaccord, um, very different uh, individual, uh, thinks differently because he comes from a different, well, different perspective. And, it's, 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 you know, it's incredible. It is fact that the day you were born, the place you, you were born, will have a great impact into how you invest your money. If you perhaps were born during the Great Depression, that is what you know. And as Jack said at the onset, the, the power of recency bias allows you to believe or cause you to believe that, you know, the way things are today, they will always be that way. And if not, and if they change you, well, they're going to come back to being that way. And more money, Jack, you say it often, but more money has been lost waiting for the next end of the world financial contagion. The, uh, that has actually been made short, lost short of the market. So um, the name of the game, my good friends, is you got to think long-term, have faith, uh, you know, it's the end of the world, but I still feel fine. Of course, everything's great. Just a little cyclical adjustment to be expected. It will happen again and again and again. And the sun will shine again and again and again. The name of the game is invest in quality and do it for decades. And you will be fine, Mark. My words, if you don't agree with me, call Jack's buddy Warren. Ask him. Jamie Carrasco, um, here we are. I completely agree with you. It's not the end. It's a transition. Yeah, not. It is not. Oh, the world's always transitioning, right? It's always changing. Now, now back to to actually just the last segment that we were talking about. um, When you said um, from worse to better to better to better, but what about if it goes from worse to worse? Uh, when that, when, 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 when we're or thinking good, that things can bad. only get worse, even worse, it, even worse would be good to bad. When things are worse, they're already down, going lower. Uh, but when things change, that's when you get the most violent moves. That's you get the top and bottom, you get the most violent moves. So something that looks good right now and is about to get worse, that's where you have to be most concerned with, i.e. interest rates being zero forever. And then, bamo, one day they pop. They exactly. start rising. Jack, I want you to talk about that because what did the central bank tell us last December they were going to do this year versus what they actually did? Hence, surprise, surprise, correct? Go ahead, Jack. Absolutely. Well, 
Yeah, yeah, the central bank's Federal Reserve at the beginning of the year. Uh, so the 10-year bond at the time was 1.5%. Uh, and they actually give forward guidance. And, and they said that they were going to, um, the expectation was that they're going to raise it by 50 basis points. They've already done three hikes, I believe, of 75 basis points. And there's another one that's coming. Um, it's going to be, I would say it's priced in the market now uh, for November in front of the midterms, and then probably another half a percent. So market was positioned for, um, not a whole lot of uh, rate hike activity. And what we actually received was a lot more than expected and prices adjust. So we've had uh, on record, I'm going to say the worst year for the fixed income market down 18% on the back of a previous year, which was down, I think, about 4% in 2021. Um, what that tells me, well, bond market is reflexive. If you have higher rates, it's going to slow down the economy. And over time, uh, central banks are going to be able to pivot or at least pause. No, no, you're right. Rate, but the amount of rate hikes is going to put forth. But again, the, the market was caught offside. And as such, you are seeing it ripple itself through into the likes of pension funds that are getting margin calls. What's a margin call, friend at home? It's when you use borrow money to buy something. And all of a sudden, they say, hey, guess what? You have to put up more money if you want to maintain that position. And that is happening and will happen in the real estate market where if perchance interest rates and mortgage rates go too far and all of a sudden you are not reducing your amortization schedule, the bank can force you to actually pay up more on a monthly basis. That's the risk uh, that I am, it keeps me up at night. And again, it's something into the future, the next couple of years when peak mortgage renewals hits the tape. Uh, but that is certainly something that keeps me up at night. But again, for right here, right now, and looking into next year, Jamie, I got to tell you, I'm getting you know a little more bullish, and the world is so negative. Uh, and Jack, again, you speak to that well as to how negative uh, everyone and everything is. There's a buyer strike going on. Uh, the shorts have certainly been uh, grinning from cheek to cheek, um, and every asset class is going lower. Uh, real estate down 20%. That's right. Toronto real estate is down 20% friends at home from the peak. Now, I'm not sure how far back that takes us in terms of time. And Jack, at some point, I want to find that number out. But we just retreated in terms of time in real estate a couple of years, at least we're probably back at pre-COVID levels in terms of real estate prices. Uh, and guess what? That's exactly what the stock market has done. But bonds are down equally much. Jack, you said 18%. I think the 30-year bond on a year-to-date basis is down 25%. Bonds have been hit harder than real estate. Bonds are down more than stocks uh, this year. But again, stocks, stocks are down too. And Jack, you just ran a screen for me uh, uh, in our service called White Charts. It's a quant screen that we pay $5,000 a year for. And we're able to run all kinds of interesting screens, uh, ask the computer questions and spits out the, the results. But the, the P-E ratio of many of the constituents of the S&P 500, the S&P 500 Friends at Home is the index that you hear frequently on TV. It's the 500 largest companies in America. So therefore, they're blue chip. They are multinational for the most part. They are the 500 most valuable companies in America. You can get, I would say, at least 100 of those companies for a P-E ratio under 10 today. Uh, the FANG stocks continue to be elevated in price and valuation. But when you, according to, to, to Andrew, when you strip out the 10 top 10 largest companies, which represents 30% of the S&P 500, all of a sudden the S&P 500 looks pretty darn attractive. Now, it's relative. What did I learn this week? I asked a question uh, to Morgan Stanley. In this interest rate environment, 
What PE multiple is the market worth? The answer, about 13 times earnings. Uh, right now, the market's trading at 15 times earnings. But when you strip out those top 10 stocks, now you're getting yourself almost into the single digit or very low double digit level. So I can, I can make a pretty compelling argument uh, right here, right now, as to why you want to uh, get invested if you're sitting in cash. And if you're long and feeling some pain, hang on. If it's quality and if it's diversity, I think you will be fine. Stretch your time horizon. Also, when you do that for the next couple of minutes, we're going to take a quick break and get right back to our final segment with Jamie Carrasco, Jack Hartle, my partner, portfolio manager, Hi-Fi Radio, 640 Toronto. Want to make more money? Stay tuned for more Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Little weird else. Yeah. up our next guest, Mr. Gordon Stein, personal financial keynote speaker and author of the best-selling book called Cashflow Cookbook. It's a personal finance book that offers an approach to help you add millions of dollars of net worth with minimal effort and sacrifice. Now, it could be true. Well, let's ask Gord. Uh, that's a big promise, Gord, uh, and author of Cashflow Cookbook. We've had you on the show before. Um, millions of dollars uh, in, 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 in added uh, net worth by reading your book. How is that so? What is your so they need to read the <laughs> they need to read the the book and then they need to put in a little bit of work. But it absolutely is possible. Okay, give us an example of what it says in your book that is so powerful, uh, and, and 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 how much money can that power add to someone's net worth? Give us an example. Yeah, sure. So um, in the brand new edition of Cashflow Cookbook, the brand new Canadian one, we start off with this story and we follow this couple, Eric and Keisha, they're 40 year old couple. And uh, I'll break it down. But in total, they free up $1,800 a month. And I'll give you some examples of that. And then over 25 years at 7%, that adds a million and a half to their wealth. And some of these ideas are, are pretty interesting. Um, there's the usual things like reshopping, car insurance, and home insurance. Paying for their phone, paying for their phone bill. We lost yeah. a guest. We'll get him back. Gord Stein, stand by. Well, my good friends, I think the cash flow cookbook uh, pushed his talent too far and went for some cheap phone contract. Uh, calls getting rerouted around the world. And, well, we lost the call. Yep, you got to be careful where you save money. <laughs> you just do. Oh, but you know, it's, it's amazing uh, how important our phones have become to us. I saw some studies about credit scores and, uh, you know, where people are going delinquent with their payments. And I trust me, it is not with their cell phone. They will skip rent before missing their phone payment cause, because, because uh, my bell will cut you off pretty darn quickly. They don't want that to happen. Uh, boy, have we been so reliant on our phones. But, you know, without question, um, uh, a lot of uh, wisdom uh, certainly can come from the cash flow cookbook. I know that we've had you know, Gord on the show, show many times. And the key is to go through yourself. And it's not a fun exercise 
and it may cause uh, the ruffling of some some feathers. Uh, but sit down with your your life partner and go through where do you spend your money uh, each and every dollar. Where is it going to, and what can you eliminate? Where can you offset the Starbucks latte? with perhaps making one at home. Uh, you know, where can you, you know, use ground beef instead of prime steak? You know, learn to make rice. Rice is cheap. You can make wonderful dishes with rice. Uh, you know, Jack, it's amazing. Um, I was craving spaghetti meat sauce. I like spaghetti bolognese. Love it. Uh, yeah. I, I made, I, I bought three pounds of, excuse me, two pounds of ground beef, uh, four bucks a pound. Um, and I used a, a, an industrial-sized tin of uh, San Marzano tomatoes. Uh, I get them at a place called Pasquale. It's, it's basically three tins in the size of one. It's one they use in a restaurant. And that big three tin is worth $10. A can the third of the size can be 6 and $7. So such value. But out of that, it cost me, what, to call it $18. I fed my family of four three times for $18. And then my daughter, of course, will come home the next day and call up Pizza Pizza and blow it when she orders those darn, I don't know, wings and wedges and pizza and the whole nine yards. There's a $40 bill coming at me. She blew my beautiful bolognese money management strategy. But if you learn to cook, you can save money. Uh, Living beneath your means. Certainly when you're younger and young is easier. Uh, Just don't get caught up up in what the Kardashians are doing and what your friend down the street is doing. You got to unfortunately just stand your ground. Uh, You can look good. Uh, for a lot less, certainly when you're young and beautiful. Uh, and just take it from an expert, <laughs> from a man who no longer is young and beautiful. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, but going through, your, going through your expenses and where do you spend your money is, is, is an exercise I think we should all have to go through. And where can you cut out? You know, again, Jack, I'm going to give you a, a bit of a frustration. Uh, we, have a leased, we have a leased vehicle. And a leased vehicle, you have to maintain the vehicle according to the manufacturer's uh, manual. Uh, yet you go back to the dealership and they're trying to upsell you on, on services you don't really need. You know, new pollen filters, flush out the brake lines. Uh, is it part of the manufacturer's recommended, recommended service? No, which means you probably don't need it. Save the $150. Yes, take care of your vehicle big time, uh, but don't overdo it. Uh, you go through so many aspects of your life where you just waste money if you just kept that money and compounded in quality businesses for a few decades, you will have so much money at the end of it. It requires arduous, tedious, consistent um, discipline and good habit forming to get there. But friends of Hi-Fi Radio, each and every one of you can be multimillionaires if you follow some basic tenets. Jack, over to you, pal. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and you know what? Uh, I know you love to cook, and uh, that, that sounds like some pretty good value at 18 bucks for four meals for, for your family. But uh, three, three, three meals, four people, 18 bucks. Okay, sorry. The, the one thing I will say, uh, coming out of lockdowns, coming out of COVID, um, what people can do, and again, costs are, you know, uh, eating at your pocketbook there, but um, they can go back and check their subscriptions, right? When we were locked in our house, people were getting Peloton apps. They were getting Beachbody. They were getting all these subscriptions, which subscription businesses are great businesses because they're reoccurring revenue. But the problem is for the consumers, they're reoccurring costs. So if you want to keep, you want to live beneath your means, keep your costs down, buy productive assets. By that, I mean stocks, bonds, real estate, things that pay you. Um, Keep your costs down, live beneath your means and check those subscriptions that you maybe signed up for over COVID. So I think what Jack is telling us is he canceled his subscription to Beach Body. 
That's it for our show, my good friends. Hi-Fi Radio, 640 Toronto. We'll be inclined each and every Saturday night with you to help have you, help you have more wealth. Because with more wealth comes more responsibility. Do some good with it. It's cold out there. Homelessness is abound. Support those who have less, and we will support you each and every Saturday night on Hi-Fi Radio, 640 Toronto. Jack Hartle, my partner, portfolio manager as well. Great job. Friends at home, any questions, WolfgangKlein.com. We are here for you. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardell, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any questions about money, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. Join us again next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.